Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Well, there are lots of stats saying that about 80% of Christians pray every day, but they don't define what prayer is. You know, is it a prayer like, thank God for this food and down the gullet it goes without just another thought? You know, there's a difference between praying and praying prayers. Like praying is about a relationship and a connection of the heart, whereas praying prayers can become like this duty or a checklist. Now, if we used the prayer metric of connecting our heart to God for 10 minutes a day, what percentage do you think we would have of Christians saying that they prayed? It, it would probably be really low. And why? Maybe it's because our lives are so full and we're exhausted and it's hard to find 10 minutes. I also think that many of us struggle with the idea of how to have a more of a heart connection to God. And that's our focus today in our Deeply Formed series that's been aimed at growing in the ways of Jesus, doing spiritual practices to deepen our connection with God so that we're not the shallow Christians that are easily swayed when life is difficult, but instead we find ourselves firmly established in our faith. So over the last several weeks, we've discussed several tools to put in your spiritual tool belt, such as Sabbath, taking a day of rest to celebrate, simplicity, freeing oneself of excess things in order to say yes to the most valuable things, slowly reading of the Bible, reading the Bible and, and a rule of life, having a framework to structure using these various practices. Because of the crazy business of our world, we've focused on practices that are more contemplative, that uh, create space for us to learn more of what it means to be with Jesus, to abide in him. So today we'll practice a form of prayer where we become more aware of God and how he may be speaking to us. Because prayer is about being in a relationship with a person, Jesus, and therefore we know that it requires various communication habits that we use in deepening any relationship. Sometimes communication means talking. Sometimes it's not saying anything and being in silence together or sharing something beautiful together like a sunset or great music. I mean, communication means listening, which leads us to being open to learning and receiving feedback. See, prayer is not just saying prayers. It's about us making space to deepen this relationship with God on a daily basis in all these various ways. I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking that prayer was mainly done one way. Um, I was trained in this an acronym called ACTS. Um, we pray and we come to God through A, adoration. You know, we take time to worship him, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with, with praise. Um, C would be confession. We then confess our sins to God in prayer. Third, we would do thanks. We give God appreciation. And then S stands for supplication, means asking God for what we need. The ACTS acronym is helpful, but it can lend to focusing more on doing in prayer with God, um, what I'm saying to God and, and all of those. And there's not a lot of listening or learning how to be with God in that. And God does want us to ask things of him. Jesus taught us how to pray. You know, he said, pray for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. We are to ask, but prayer is so much more than supplication, asking. And we can get off balance when we don't focus on other aspects of prayer. Like, can you imagine if one of your kids... Um, or maybe friends, that all they did was ever ask you for things, like, hey, I need this or I need that. Well, maybe some of you are already um, feeling that experience. Um, I find myself struggling sometimes in prayer because there's just a strong side of me that just wants to do something in prayer. And taking time to learn how to be with God 
even if there's like music and worship involved in that, it can be challenging because I want to get things done. Like we need to call heaven down or we need to intercede and persevere and pray. I can struggle with the same thing, which reveals a major obstacle we have with contemplative prayer. We are too results oriented. When we look at prayer as being utilitarian, pragmatic, we see it as something I need to do to get done. It leads us to think, how does this benefit me and others around me? And what can I get out of this? And that becomes an obstacle to prayer. God wants to give us things, but that's not why we come to God in prayer. We come to God in prayer to offer ourselves to him, to love him, to learn to be with him, to allow him to shape us. We are following in the ways of Jesus, and we see Jesus pursued his Father with times of just being with God, without all the words, without all the asking and declaring. I think it's what many of us are missing most in our relationship with God. So yes, we pray. We pray big, bold, Jesus-honoring, directed prayers, and we pray as well in times of silence and in contemplation. I noticed a struggle this past week. You know, my Pentecostal side was saying, like, I wasn't really praying when I was silent in prayer, you know, and it said, like, I'm just being passive or maybe even lazy in my prayers. Um, but this last week, I just took that time. I took a concern over somebody who's in a lot of pain and having some fear about dealing with cancer, and I lifted, it up, lifted them up to Jesus in silence, and so with no words. And what I sensed was God was taking my concern, and he was just holding it. And this being with him, it was shaping me. And it was shaping my future prayers for them. It was actually making it more substantive. Yeah. Later this year, we'll be talking about intercessory prayer. I'm so incredibly grateful for how God wants us to pray in faith. We're not trying to diminish that in any way. I'm just saying Jesus did more than just declare. Mm -hmm. Another obstacle to contemplative prayer is we don't like boredom. Mm -hmm. We need to normalize boredom. That's part of how we grow in prayer. And that doesn't sound motivational, does it? Listen to this quote from Ron Rollheiser. He says, The problem we have in sustaining prayer is often grounded in the false notion that prayer needs to be exciting, intense, and full of energy all the time. I agree. <laughs> I like things that are fast and interesting. Like, I struggle even listening to podcasts. If I can't increase that playback speed of at least two times, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. Um, yet there's something that only comes from silence and, and a slowness. Of, of being with Jesus. Jesus knew this, you know, and we can't buy into that lie that says, well, that just wasn't prayer. You're just sitting in silence. Your mind is drifting and you didn't get anything done because you didn't have any goosebumps. Um, that is bad theology. God is good all the time, but God doesn't exist to make us feel good all the time, right? Now, American Christianity may say that, but we need to pull into those places that don't always have those feel good even if that feeling is boring. And I don't, I don't like boring. Yeah. I'm a doer as well. Contemplative habits can lead me, lead me to think I'm just wasting time. I could be doing something much more efficient with my time. And yet, efficiency is often one of the enemies of deeper spirituality. Yeah. Instead, I choose to sit with Jesus even when I don't feel anything. We learn to keep practicing, keep coming back again and again, because little by little you change. We learn to slow down to be with God, not just to get something from him, that's difficult because right now with all that's going on in the world, I want to make change happen now. But certainly we do need to be doing things. And next week, Jeremy will be sharing on what we do as deeply formed followers of Jesus. But there's something we are to get at as a body about abiding. And there is 
power in resting. So let's begin with looking at the book of Lamentations, one of the saddest books in the Bible. It's five chapters of Hebrew poetry are joined together by the common themes of sorrow over the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC and the humiliation of the Hebrew people because their leaders were either killed or forced into servitude along with the average citizen being enslaved by the Babylonians. I want to read from Lamentations 3. But keep in mind that the writers are being overtaken by a false understanding that God is doing these things. It says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. And it gets worse. The writer continues envisioning that God um, was making them a target practice with a bow and arrow, piercing their hearts and making them a laughing stock. And that God was breaking their teeth with gravel. And on and on, the poet just writes, writhing in pain. But somewhere around um, verse 19, it starts to shift. And we'll read, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it, and it is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is the good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Gosh, in that phrase, we see the power of the spiritual practice called the examine. It's this recollection. It's a prayerful reflection, and it helps us to literally reorient ourselves to God. You know, because it's easy to fall into false assumptions about God. We may not even be aware that we're doing it. Because we, we may know the truth that God is always for us. But reflection helps us to see if our beliefs are really congruent with our feelings and our actions. Do we really live like God's love is for us? And that his presence is with us in whatever we are going through. See, the poet in Lamentations pointed this out specifically when he wrote in verse 22, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. This word for steadfast love was the word hesed, meaning loving kindness and loyalty in a covenant manner. We must never forget this. God is a relentless and all-consuming hesed for us. That's why Jesus and the New Testament writers taught us again and again that God is always for us. Even when we make mistakes or intentionally sin, God is still for you and pulling us toward him and wanting us to return to him. Jesus embodied the truth of his name, Emmanuel, God with us. So in good or bad experiences, moments of brilliance or boredom, failure or tears, triumph and laughter, in everything, God is for us and with us. So the spiritual practice we want to focus on today is called the prayer of examine. 400 years ago, after St. Ignatius was wounded in battle, he lay in bed and he contemplated how God was present in the midst of the daily nitty-gritty of the world. And because of this truth, God is always present, he's always nearby and indwelling. Ignatius developed a simple practice for us to examine our daily lives for signs of God's presence. 
Now, Ross and I used this prayer of examine for our last message in 2020, and we used it for reviewing the entire year. Now, it can be used in a lot of different ways, but most often it is used for a daily review. Just as like an airplane can like leave a vapor trail in the sky, God leaves a trail in our lives. And we can find God when we look for and acknowledge the evidence of his presence in our experiences. And the prayer of examine is often done at the end of the day where we take an inventory. We become more aware of God's spirit present during our day in subtle and unnoticed ways. It helps us to find God in the midst of our busy lives. Now, I know these contemplative practices use words like reflection, and, and that, for some, it can just tune them out. One reason why we may not want to do um, reflection is that it can bring up feelings that we don't want to have. Um, who wants to reflect on mistakes that we've made and, and feel that sense of regret again? Yet if we don't reflect, we won't see how God was present and how he was wanting to bring redemption into this very area that we want to avoid. If we don't reflect, we don't see the patterns in our lives that keep, us, that keep repeating, leading us to continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. Henry Nouwen, an incredible priest and follower of Jesus, said he believes that 50% of life should be reflecting on the other 50% that's lived. That's a lot. <laughs> now, he may be exaggerating, but I think his point is well taken. How much of your life do you take time to reflect upon? 2% to reflect on the 98% of your life? See, there's a revelation from God that we are missing because we don't take the time to prayerfully reflect on the thoughts, feelings, and actions of our days. So I love these prayers from kids which reflect um, this kind of awareness. Now Nan wrote, well, dear God, I bet it is very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I can never do it. <laughs> Nan was awake to the challenges of loving those that are closest to you. Now Larry too knew this struggle and he, he prayed, dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. Larry didn't even know, but he was practicing a key part of the examine. Joyce was also doing part of the examine and learning God was not a Santa Claus. Um, she prayed, Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> These kids were examining their day, processing their feeling and feelings and thoughts, and we can do the same when we reflect. And we may see things like chance conversations with a stranger that tell us something that we were unaware of about ourselves, or... A scene in a movie or a play that grips us in a way that we are motivated to have courage to live our lives more intentionally in this world. Or maybe we recall a Bible passage that for some reason jumps off the page today and points us in a new direction or understanding of God. Looking at nature or painting or uh, something that leads us to wonder or, or even frustration or anger or deep questioning is all a part of the examine. So practicing the examine helps you to be more aware of the moment, like for example, this past week, I was aware that two people that I met via Zoom, um, I think they were students, they, were, they both had shirts that were naming the same island in the southern U.S. I had never heard of. And so I, I just had to write it down because was this a sign of God for a new vacation <laughs> destination? I think maybe so. <laughs> um, I was also listening to someone share about their struggles, and I sensed the Holy Spirit um, convict me as well. And it was later reemphasized. I, I heard a phrase when I was... Um, listening to a comedy, and so it was like a double whammy, right? Um, although I'm sure that the latter one was a little bit more from God. But this, the examine just helps us to get better, um, even being in the present moment of seeing where God is involved and what he, how he's wanting to talk. We become just more God-conscious, and that leads us to live more full lives. 
Now, some say the examine is the most powerful tool that they use in their relationship with God. I mean, I've heard them say, like, I feel closer to God. I, um, I feel like I'm more aware of him. I become more self-aware. I don't get to the end of the day and I not know why I'm in the mood that I'm in. Um, I see that I'm worrying less. I am daily reorienting how I trust God more. Another person has said, I'm becoming more discerning in the moment of what God may be up to. I'm more aware of his leading to say, do this or make this decision. Um, and someone else said, I'm less scattered in my thinking and my inner life is more peaceful. Because often our days just go by unnoticed, right? They just happen and before you know it, we fall into bed and we're exhausted. We, we go through each day failing to take notice. This prayer is one way to help prevent our daily lives from going unexamined. Some call the prayer of examine a rummaging through a day's experiences looking for God. Mm -hmm. This can be done with varying steps, but here are a few that work for us. Step one is just become aware of the presence of God. Remove yourself from the things that can intrude on your time, like your phone. Mm -hmm. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, saying things like, Lord, I make myself completely available to you. I want to see what you want me to see. Step two, replay the day in your mind. Take a few minutes to practice active remembering of the last 24 hours as God brings clarity. Look at the work you did, the people you interacted with. Pay attention to the small mm -hmm. things, the food you ate, the things you saw, the other small pleasures. See God in the details. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the first question we ask is, what are we most grateful for? And how did you notice God? Maybe it was when you walked outside and you felt there was actually a hint of spring in the air. You're noticing what brings life. Step three would be name the strongest feelings that you have experienced. Now, Ignatius understood that God created us with emotions and that we can detect the presence of God in our emotions. However, what I see sometimes in myself and in others is that when we have certain emotions that we don't like to have, such as anger or boredom, sadness, resentment, we have a tendency to not pray. We think, well, I can't pray now. Like, I've got to get myself in the right spirit before I can pray. So we wait until we're not feeling guilty or angry or envious to pray. And, but not knowing how to pray our emotions is another obstacle in prayer. I mean, Jesus is not shocked at how you and I feel. He knows everything about you. The Apostle Paul tells us that we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Now, that didn't mean that we keep babbling all the time. You know, it does mean that our hearts stay more and more aware of the presence of God and realize that God can use all of our feelings to help us pay attention to what's going on inside of us. Like, hey, this is something really good. Let's celebrate, or this is really bad. Each feeling is therefore an entry point into prayer. So reflect on the feelings that you have experienced in the last 24 hours. Become more aware of the state of your heart and give emotion a name. Because things that are unnamed, they still have more power over us. So let it be joy or delight or anger or sadness. Just name it. And then what is God saying through these feelings? And so a second question that may help in this step is sort of the flip of the first one we shared. What were you least grateful for? In this question, we become more aware of what really drains us of life. Step four, share just one of those strong feelings or experiences, whether it's joy or burden with God. And be honest with Jesus about what caused this strong, effective response in you. And try to name accurately which particular feeling it was that you felt. It could be positive feelings or the ones you'd rather not have. Mm -hmm. Let God lead you to the one thing and pray about it. 
In this reflection, God will most likely show you some ways you didn't choose Jesus' way in the situation. Make a note of these sins and faults, but look deeply for other implications. Does a feeling of frustration perhaps mean that God wants you to consider a new direction in some area of your work, or is he developing perseverance in you? Are you concerned about a friend? Perhaps you should reach out to them in some way. See, we become more aware of when we've obeyed God and when we've resisted and turned away. In response, we express gratitude and confess. Some examples may be noticing the words said that brought life to someone or the words that brought death to someone. The moments of testing when someone in the room spewed a cruel comment at someone else in the room and we spoke up or we stayed silent. The moments where we struggled with temptations, wrestling with things like power, needing to be right, honesty, integrity. If we see our weakness, we can name it and ask for forgiveness of our sins, ask for God's protection and help, and ask for his wisdom about the questions you have, the problem you face. We become aware that every day we do wrong and need to seek forgiveness from God and others. And every day there are moments to celebrate the fact that we did the right thing, because it's important to see growth in our lives as well. And the last step is thank God for being present to you and giving you hope for tomorrow. Take a moment to ask God for grace for something specific and then rest in him in his promise to be there. And as you reflect, you'll become more aware that God has been speaking to you. Whether you had known it or not, God did come to you. And now God may be showing his love for you in that sunshine that woke you up this morning through a wonderful meal that you had or through a friend that you had a great conversation with. We take the time to reflect. We look backwards so that, that we may live forward and our ability to is, is changed. We go back to go forward. So let's practice this together. If comfortable, close your eyes to help create mental space to remember the last 24 hours. So first, let's take a moment to calm and settle with silence to become more aware of God. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. We invite you to help us remember and reflect on the events of the past day. And now just reflect back over the past 24 hours, remembering the events of yesterday morning, because I know some of you don't remember what you ate yesterday. Don't worry. If you woke up, who did you, who were you with? Uh, give a rundown of your day. For some, it may help to have your day play like a movie in your head with push play and push pause and on it and at the times you need to stop the playback and think about it. It'll take about a minute for you to review the day. So what are you most grateful for? 
Just take a moment to thank God for that life-giving moment and all that it means to you. We'll take another pause here for you to do that. take a moment and think of the feelings you experienced in the last day. What made you happy? What made you stressed? Confused you? What were you least grateful for? What went wrong in that moment? Again, pause and reflect. Now share one of your strong feelings or experiences with God. If it brings you joy, sit with God in that joy. If there are any actions for which you are sorry, take a moment to ask God for forgiveness. Also sense if God is asking you to ask for forgiveness from someone or to give forgiveness as well. Again, let's pause. And the last step, ask God for the grace you need for today. Another way of saying it might be saying, God, help me to live a little different. And what would it mean to live differently? Give me the grace to live tomorrow a little different than I did today. And take your time with God. This examine is not just for monks. It's for busy people, everyday people. Even if you have kids jumping all over you, I'd encourage you once a day, maybe start out once a week. Now the goal is that you are practicing it, that reflection becomes a more natural part of your life. Now, I know as a family for years at dinner, we would do a form of this practice that I think many of you do too, um, where each person at the table would share like their high and that low of their day. I mean, that's an examine, right? And it's so valuable because it's a way to reconnect with one another or the highs and the lows. Um, and you can take it a step further together where you say like, well, this is where I may have seen God be more present um, and that, it, that we may not have known. Or we can use it as a great way to start to pray for one another more. As with all new habits, it takes practice to develop. If this one is more difficult, try not to give up too quickly. We're... Filling our tool belt of spiritual practices to live deeply with God. So choose which of these practices most resonate with you. 
We'll have a handout available again this week with the message when it's uploaded uh, for you to download to give you some more practices and maybe some even different approaches to the examine. So before Daniel leads us in a song, we'd like to end with Charles's thoughts. And he said, Dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know, but I'm not just saying that because you are God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, God, we just want to thank you that you are the giver of every breath that we take. And we want to thank you for being you. We want to thank you that you are the Emmanuel. You are always with us. And that you always bring hope to the most um, desperate places and is and while in the most life-giving places. Lord, we want to have more of a heart connection with you. We want to grow in knowing who you are. We love you so much. And we bless you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org slash give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.